welcome back to the Turning 30 podcast, a place where we talk about what it's really like to turn 30. I'm your host, life coach, Emma Wilson, and I'm here to help you feel better, get unstuck, and be more confident at 30. Today's episode is a guest interview with an amazing woman who I absolutely adore her message, and I'm so excited to welcome Sabi Kerr to the podcast. Sabi is a self-love coach, feminine embodiment guide, and leadership mentor who guides women to feel deeply worthy, to connect to their bodies and soul mission, and live with purpose, passion, pleasure, and prosperity. Sabi's mission is to guide as many people as possible to step into their truest essence, find their voice, and forge their authentic path in life and business. Hi, Sabi, and welcome to the Turning 30 podcast. Hey Emma, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. I have for the longest time been planning an episode on turning 30 and self-love, turning 30 and self-worth and I haven't yet found a guest who I really resonated with and then I came across your Instagram and I was listening to your podcast episode with Persia who's a previous guest of the Turning 30 podcast and I just really resonated with everything you were saying and everything you stand for so I'm so happy that you accepted the invitation and that you are here today and I thought it would just be a good idea for you to introduce a little bit about what you do because as I said in the intro you are a self-love coach so could you just share with the listeners what that means? Yeah so I'm a self-love coach as well as some other things feminine embodiment mentoring leadership mentoring too Um, but really whatever it is that I'm I'm guiding women through self-love and worth always is at the foundation right it's at the foundation of anything that you really want to call into your life feeling enough as you are, being able to express yourself, your truth, your desires, being able to show up as you are in your relationships and in in your business. Um, So I do a variety of things. I have one-to-one clients, I run programs, workshops, and I've started to work a lot more with um, fellow entrepreneurs and coaches recently, actually, that really want to bring this um, essence of feeling deeply worthy, being unapologetically themselves into how they show up in their work, into how they they lead. Because really for me, it's like self-love and worth and standing in your unapologetic power. Like it has a ripple effect into every single aspect of your life. And that's the most powerful thing about doing this work. It's like you want an incredible business, you can start here. You want to have loving relationships, you can start here. You know, whatever it is that you want, like this really is the the starting point for all of that. And everything comes back to here. In essence, I do lots of different things, but they all kind of ground down to this energy of self-love, being who you are unapologetically. I love that. And the reason I was really waiting to record an episode on this topic was because all of my clients that I work with, 90% of my clients, we get down to this. This is really what it's about. You know, clients can come and I'm sure this happens to you. They can come with lots of external problems or lots of things they want to work on, whether it's career related, business related, love life related, lifestyle, but it always comes back to the relationship with yourself at the end of the day. And the core of that is self-love and self-worth. But before I ask you some questions about 
what even self self worth means and and how do we know if we have it i would love to hear your journey to this work what was your journey to to self love yeah and and for me i think my journey into this work has just been a a continuous unfolding you know it wasn't like yes i planned to to talk about this thing and to to guide women in this it was like i was i was led here i guess and i i, I wouldn't say i came from a place of deep self-loathing it was almost like there were two there were two parts of like my life when i look back at like my late teens and 20s on the kind of careers side of things i was quite expressive and i always gave myself permission to explore i think what a lot of people are scared of doing like i gave myself permission to actually explore what i wanted to do and that meant i did lots of different things i was super academic at school but i also loved dancing and i was really creative and i was a bit of a i was at a bit of a crossroads where i was like do i go to university and study something really academic or do i go to a dance college and i ended up giving myself permission to do both and i think this has been a big giving women permission to embrace all parts of themselves and so that was like an ongoing theme throughout my 20s went to uni and, and did an economics degree also went and did like full time dance training and then i like almost like flitted between to other people completely different careers for like my 20s um worked in management consulting then trained to be a primary school teacher um and taught in london schools i was a dancer for a little bit going to auditions and doing stuff you know like dancing and performing and so lots of to other people seemingly random things but to me they were like all parts of me and so i didn't even know it at the time i had no idea at the time that this really was um something that was going to link into the work that i do but there was very much a, a permission giving of, for me to let different parts of myself be expressed because i felt it was right and for me that's deep self love work right that's like deep self love work letting go of what society tells us we should be doing with our careers and actually letting ourselves do what we feel is right um while i was still teaching in primary schools i got really into yoga and just loved it decided to do a yoga teacher training went to india did that training and it was around the same time that i'd come out of a 11 year relationship so a really long relationship and it what was interesting because when i said there was two parts it was like on the careers side it was like i was very self loving in a way i was i was giving myself permission to express these different parts of of me of my personality on the relationship side i'd been in a long 11 year relationship which wasn't very healthy and i you know i'd self abandoned i wasn't standing up for myself and i wasn't really thinking about my needs and i wasn't it was like i was so open and expressive on the career side but this whole other side of my life where i wasn't fully letting me be me and so i think it was a big wake up call when i went to india did that first teacher training and i came back and yeah so much died to shift in every area of life started to teach lots of yoga and eventually i knew there was like there's something more that i need to guide women through in the, in like spirituality and self development and i did my first coaching training because i was just like i want to be able to guide women on a deeper level rather than like teaching yoga classes and after that certification my first certification i started 
to coach women one-to-one without like a set idea of what my area was. It was kind of like, I just want to help women live better lives and transform and feel good about themselves. And it was like the more women that I supported, whether they were wanting better relationships or careers that fulfilled them or to feel good in their body, it kept coming back to this self-love piece, to this worthiness piece, to this wanting to express who they are piece. And it was almost like the dots just started to join up. It was like, this is the thing that's been there all this time. So yeah, that's kind of how I, how I came into it. I know that was a bit of a long <laughs> story, but sometimes it's hard to just give a quick one sentence answer. <laughs> oh, of course. It's like, what is your life's work? And then you're like, I can't answer that in more than... <laughs> It lasted like a few, uh, few sentences. Anyway, so, okay, there's so much I want to say because you said so many relevant things. And I just want to say wow and commend you for your 20s. It sounds so interesting that you, from a really young age, gave yourself permission to do all of those things. Because sometimes, I mean, a lot of the time, and I know it happened to me on my personal journey, is that people follow their shoulds. And it is from a place of other people's expectations I don't know if it's always from a place of not self-worth, but we're not in touch with our with ourselves enough at that age in our early 20s, really, or maybe even our late teens, because that's when we make those decisions in the UK anyway, mm-hmm. what, what we want to study and what our path is. It sounds to me like you never let those shoulds hold you back in your career anyway. And you are always very open to possibilities and to do those things at the same time. How did you feel that people responded to that? Did people commend you for it at the time? And, or were people a bit surprised and, and I guess maybe confused that you weren't following society's rules, you know, those early 20s, pick a career path and that's what you're going to do right now? I think I've had this conversation with some people before and, you know, because lots of people are always, whether it's starting a business or quitting their job and doing something different, such a big block for people always tends to be like, what will my family think? What will my friends think? You know, they expect me to do this. Like people start to become used to you doing whatever the hell you want (laughs) and and it almost like becomes expected because for so long I've lived that way now. People are just like used to it. Wow. Like, oh yeah, Savvy's doing that another, that thing that she wants to do again. <laughs> it's almost like you get to set the tone for how you're received. And if you quit your job and you're like, oh, like, oh, I don't know if I should do this. Obviously, people around you are going to feel that energy and they're going to be worried for you. They're going to express their doubts. But if you leave your job and you're like, this is the decision, I'm doing it for this reason, it feels right, I'm going to explore this other thing, people feel that energy. And I think I've just always been quite sure about why I've done the things that I've done. And I, I don't make rash decisions. I'm not like, oh, I'm going to, like, I don't just quit something just like that. Like, they're always thought through decisions. And, and I guess... Yeah, I think people have just felt that and they've they've been used to me operating like that now. So I feel lucky that I've actually had support, but I also think it's because I haven't given people the the space 
to do to anything judge, to judge you yeah and I think that you just said a sentence yeah. which was really magic you said you set the tone for how other people will respond and I always teach that and exactly what you said about energy like if you show up to your life and you're like apologetic about what you're doing and you're like oh I just quit my job but I'm not really sure what to do next and I'm really confused and people are going to feed off that confusion and be like well you need to decide and you should pick this yeah. and obviously for you from a young age from your from your 20s you were already there and standing in your truth and it's so funny that you said that people just get used to it and I feel like that's really happened for me and funnily enough just this morning mm-hmm. I got a message on Instagram from someone who who I know from back in Manchester and they were like can I just ask you a question I hope it's okay that I ask but at what point did you just know that it was okay to be different to other people and to you know leave society's expectations which is what we're talking about now and I just had this moment when I sat with myself and I was like oh at what point was it? And then just like you said, it just unfolded that way. I think now yeah. people never question me because I don't question it, but it wasn't always like that. But I think what's interesting about your story is that yeah. from a really young age, especially with your career, you are obviously really standing in your self-worth with your career. And then the second point I wanted to pick up on from your, when I asked you about your journey, was how you were explaining how it was different in your relationship and in your love life Mm -hmm. and I think that's a really important message to everybody because we don't always have the same levels of confidence and the same levels of self-worth or love in all of the different facets of our life so I found that really interesting how that has also been a big part of your journey yeah totally um different parts of our lives like we we sometimes express ourselves in in different ways and yeah I I felt and I don't know what the reason is or why but I I felt really confident in the career side to 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 make those decisions and I think it's because I've I've always genuinely worked really hard. I've always been a really, really hard worker. So all of the different career options that I explored, all of the different passions that I played with, like I put my soul into them. I put my energy into them. I worked really hard. And so I knew like I've worked hard at this. Like I I deserve to try this. And if it's not right, like that's cool. And so I, I felt confident in that energy. And yeah, whereas on the relationship side, I mean, Anytime you've been in a really long relationship, it's quite easy to get used to how things are. And then if that's your first relationship that you get into when you're, I mean, not even an adult yet, <laughs> right? And then you you stay with that person into your like mid-late 20s. There's a level of, okay, I'm used to this and also don't know anything else that I think inhibited me from being able to really feel what else is possible and, and how I really deserve to, to be treated and all of those things. It was almost like I was aware of them, but I couldn't fully feel them or get there. And, and it was obviously just a really, like you said, the journey that you went on straight after that breakup that led you to India, to yoga, then to coaching. It was obviously so important for you to go through that breakup and that change. So I feel like that's such a a relevant part of the story and if you didn't ha- if you wouldn't have had that 11 year relationship maybe you wouldn't have learned all the things and gone through all the things that you you know have led you to this work that you are doing today yeah a hundred percent like I'm grateful for every relationship for every breakup like even all of the like shitty parts like I'm just yeah absolutely there's so much learning there and there's so much gratitude because I wouldn't have been on the healing journey that I went on without that breakup. I, yeah, probably wouldn't be guiding the work that I'm guiding now without that. You know, it's given me a depth of understanding that I probably wouldn't 
have had otherwise. Yeah, for sure. So I want to ask you about defining self-worth because I think it's something that sometimes is quite hard to define. Mm. I think it's subjective. So how do you in your business and your in your content define what self-worth is and how do people know if they have it or not? Mm. So I think the first thing, there's a few things I'd love to share on this. Um, you know, like everything, there's not a one size fits all description. So there might not just be one description and that's it. And also you don't just have it and then that's it. You got it for life. It's, it's something that you can continuously tune in with, you know, daily. And, and for me, self-worth is really knowing that I'm enough as I am right now. You know, that, that idea that um, you don't need anything else to, to make you worthy, to make you deserving, to, to make you good enough. You are already inherently whole and unworthy and good enough and perfect as you are. And that's not to say you don't deserve the things that you want in your life. Of course you do, but they are not there to make you good or worthy or better. So really self-worth and self-love is about grounding into the energy of like, you fully being in acceptance with the you that's here right now. And I think a really important part of this work is because it's easy for people to love themselves when they've got the relationship, when the money's flowing, when they're living in their dream home, when they're like in a sunny place. It's so easy to love themselves. And actually for me and like my clients, the real work is always like, can I love myself even when those things aren't there? Can I hold myself with compassion when I'm like crying on the bathroom floor, when I'm feeling depressed and I'm feeling anxious? And that's not to say you love the space that you're in, but can you hold yourself with love and deep compassion and deep acceptance in every single moment? And so for me, that is the real work. Because when you can do that, when you can love you and accept you, even when you're not at your best, then when you are feeling good, like, wow, you know? So yeah, that's, that's kind of an essence, kind of a description, kind of an elaboration. <laughs> no, I love it. It's, it's important to say, because for me, what I think, what I teach my clients, and I'll go and, and agree and go off your definition, is that mm. everybody is worthy. And I think that there is sometimes a misconception that only if you have those exterior things, just like you said, the amazing, if you're living in the dream house, if you have the sunny weather, if you have the nice car, if you have the good relationship and the great job, then I'm worthy. And I think it's not true. Every single person is born worthy, regardless of the outside external measures. But most people, I think, don't know that. They think that their worthiness is defined by things outside of themselves. And something I really teach and get my clients to unlearn is this link between self-worth and the life timelines like the milestones mm -hmm. you know if you're only worthy if you have a relationship you're only worthy if you then get engaged and have a child then buy the house then you know all of those things what do you think about that does that resonate with you as well absolutely and here's the thing it's almost like and I call this like the, the paradox of manifestation first of all it's 
totally fine and normal for you to desire like a soulmate partnership for you to desire this dream home and this family like i like and celebrating you for having those desires and dreams and goals like that's wonderful and so yes it's it's great to desire those things but it's like just know that having those things isn't going to make you something that you're not already and actually so often and let's take like the relationship thing as an example so often people think like okay yeah when I'm in my dream relationship like that's gonna be the thing that makes me feel good again and that makes me feel like I'm like got myself together or when I'm making x came out in my business like that's going to be the thing that helps me feel like I'm successful like I've got my shit together but actually if you're waiting for that one thing outside of yourself to be the thing to help you feel good it will come along and it might feel good for like a moment you might get like a momentary buzz or like ah oh, yeah this is great but like after a little while like the cracks are going to start to show and it'll be like oh like this wasn't actually the thing like now what yeah. <laughs> you know like, i ticked that goal off like now what oh i've got the home i've got the money and i'm still not like feeling like how i thought i wanted to feel now what and so actually it's almost like the reverse it's not the money and the man and the house that's going to help you feel good it's like can you get to a space where you can feel whole and worthy and juicy and alive as you are right now before you have the things and then the paradox is when you get to that space of feeling so lit up and alive in your own skin and almost like releasing the attachment to having to have those things it's not saying you don't want them but you're like I don't need them for me to feel good. It's like releasing that attachment and letting go of them and being in that lit up energy is actually the energy that ends up attracting them to you. Honestly, I was about to say that. I yeah. thought you were going to start speaking a minute ago. And then I was like, but isn't it interesting that as yeah. soon as you are in your self-worth and in that space, then that's the kind of person that other people are drawn to. And then you end up manifesting those things anyway. Sabi, that's so good. Such such a good point. And, and I think it's so, so true. And I think it's important to pick up on what you just said about there's a lot of noise in the self-help world of you should just be completely happy alone or you won't be, you don't need to meet someone until you become happy and, and your self-worth alone. What else? Lots of the, you know, the power of now and the power of presence and all of those things. And sometimes people can feel guilty like, no, but I want those things. I have uh, clients who come on initial consultation calls with me and they want to potentially sign up to work with me and they say, oh, Emma, I hope it's okay, but I actually like, I do want to meet someone and I do want to, you know, maybe um, get a mortgage and, and buy a house. And I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> that's okay. Like I want, it's what you just said, giving permission to have the desire. We all want and we want these things and lots of us do want those timelines to happen eventually even if it's not right this minute but it's exactly what you said it's not being attached to it not letting it define you and more importantly not letting its absence in your life define you yeah I love that yeah not letting its absence be the thing that makes you think something is wrong with you exactly yeah, yeah. like the narrative like if I don't have all of those things and that means that I'm less self-worthy and I should love myself less. 
exactly exactly yeah. yeah great so how can somebody let's say I do I always do this in my guests especially my guests who are coaches so I'll be a pretend client mm-hmm. and let's say I come to you and I am struggling with the self-love aspect in my life I feel on some level that I know that this is an area that I want to work on but I'm just not really sure how or where to start how would you guide me and what would you recommend Mm, and there's so many so many different pieces um we like might start with like a check-in you know like the thoughts that we have and the beliefs that we have about how we show up impact so much so we, we might start with like some like look at the the beliefs that you're having on on a day-to-day level about who you are but also as well as looking at like the mind stuff and the beliefs that you're having and working to shift them to more empowering beliefs, self-love and self-worth doesn't just exist in the mind and in the belief, like that's important, but it also exists in the body. (laughs) And so I also like to bring in like an embodied self-worth approach. So, and this is quite a cliche exercise, but some like mirror work as a daily practice might be something something nice for someone that's new to this work and if you've never done it before it might feel really cheesy and uncomfortable but so many people don't have the experience of sitting with themselves and being with themselves so it can be a really nice daily practice to get used to and enjoy being with you so you might just start with like a minute every morning like eye gazing with yourself, right? And many women have done this and like when they've done it for the first time, they've told me like, oh my God, I've never actually looked at myself. You know, I've, yes, I've put on makeup and I've brushed my hair and I've, I've looked in the mirror millions of times when I'm getting ready, but I've never actually sat with myself and looked at myself. So many women have cried when they've done this for the first time. It's that feeling of like, oh my goodness, like that's me, I'm seeing me this me that I'm going to be with for my whole life. So that can bring up quite a lot of emotions. So you might do that to begin with, just like a few minutes every day. I'm just sitting with you, with, with yourself, eye gazing. If you want to take it up a notch, maybe bring in some affirmations. If you want to take it up a notch, maybe you say the affirmations out loud in front of the mirror. If you want to take it up a notch, some like self-touch. So like gazing at yourself, your body, and just starting to like, caress your yourself with your hands almost like how lover to touch you and you're like really gazing looking appreciating your body feeling yourself loving up on yourself and if you want to take it up a notch even more like put some music on and have a little daily practice of moving dancing looking at yourself and it can it can end up being like this whole little self-appreciation ritual like seeing yourself being with yourself and so it only needs to take a few minutes every day but if, if you're new to doing something like that this can really shift yeah how you show up for you build it helps you build a new relationship with yourself yeah and I really appreciate the fact that you're bringing up the difference between the body and the mind here because it's very important as you were saying, to start with the beliefs that you have about yourself, obviously to unpack those and to work on those and to reframe and do all of the things that we do as coaches when we're doing talk coaching. But there is something missing and it is that the the body practice, and I know that you're an embodiment coach, so that's an amazing piece of advice for anyone listening who really wants to do that. And I, I actually want to elaborate a little bit more about what you said about dancing 
and mm-hmm. movement and how you find that movement can help women specifically to feel better in their bodies and therefore to love themselves more. Yeah, and I, I so love this. And for me, this has been such a good example. If we like go back to my first answer about like when you asked me about my journey, this has been such a good example of how the journey into the work that I do now has been like a continuous evolution. I didn't like plan to bring in dance into my work and into my programs. It was almost like, oh, well, this makes total sense, right? Like I have a dance background, um, been dancing since I was a teenager. I'm a trained qualified dance teacher. I taught dance loads way before I got into spirituality or into coaching. And so it was quite organic really when I started to... I think it was really, it was when I was in Bali that I started teaching these dance classes called like Find Your Sexy. (laughs) And so they were like feminine dance classes, but with like a healing element, like helping women. I think I'd get them to like say affirmations while they were like looking at themselves in front of the mirror, kind of in between that we were doing. And there was just something magical about these women being in their bodies, walking, standing, moving, And not thinking their way into, yeah, I'm going to love myself, but like feeling in their body this whole energy of, oh my goodness, this is what the powerful me feels like. And in my experience over the last, yeah, few years of bringing dance into the work that I do, the transformation is so much quicker when you bring in movement in. Because when you feel it in your body, you've got this like imprint, this thing to like return to like, this is what it feels like. And I can also go back to that dance routine or that exercise or whatever we did to feel that again. And it's amazing. So women would come out of a session and just be like, oh my goodness, I've never felt like that before. And they're excited. They're like... So yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm literally just scribbling a note down on my, <laughs> on my notes here to just rebook a Zumba class. I used to do Zumba all the time and I used to come out feeling amazing and it was yeah. so like simple, just going down yeah. for an hour. And there's something about doing it in a community of people with other women alongside mm-hmm. you that also makes it so much more powerful. A hundred percent. Yeah, because, and there's, this is kind of almost another topic, but when we think about women being in their bodies, especially in a way that's sexy or sensual, there's been so much conditioning, right? Which has taught us that it's not safe to be in our bodies in that way. And that there's something like shameful about being a sexy, sensual, powerful woman. And so, so many women have like suppressed that side of themselves. And, you know, when we suppress something, it doesn't go away. It's still there underneath the surface. Mm. Like there's this like sexy goddess in every woman that's like dying to come out. (laughs) And so when you're around many other letting themselves express themselves in that way, it's like a, a permission giving for you. It's like seeing another woman be fully expressed, yes, with their voice, but also with their body. It's like, okay, if, if she can do it, it's safe for me to do it too. Yeah, and I feel like that's actually something that we've brought up a few times in our conversation is this concept of, of giving permission. Mm. It's something that we were speaking about before when you were talking about your personal journey and we just brought it up again, you know, in relation to giving permission for yourself to be that sexy woman and to, and to even go on this journey. And I'm thinking that, that's maybe the first step for for self-love and self-worth is to give yourself permission to even be a person that can do that. I think that lots of people probably find that they 
because of the social conditioning that you just mentioned and the shame around even loving yourself. And I find this as well, maybe, I know know you travel a lot for work and and you also work remotely. It's in the British culture, I think, to Mm. feel shame around saying out loud, I am great because we come from like a modest, humble, don't say it. And I think that a lot of work can be done with someone just by getting, not getting rid of, but dealing with and working and processing that shame to get to the other side of self-love by giving permission. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Give this giving permission piece is is massive, and I think that's what I, in my work, and probably you, and many of us that guide this work, like this is a big part of our role. To like show women that first of all, yes, we can be permission givers to you, but also, like you can do that for yourself. And that really is the first step in whatever it is that you're desiring in your life. And it comes from you. It's that like, not, it's not a not caring what people think, but not caring what people think so much that it's going to stop you from doing what you actually want to do. Yes, exactly. So this is a little bit of a leading question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because we're both women in our 30s. But why is it so such a time in our lives in our early 30s that women start to go on this journey and start to question their self-worth? Can you see a connection between age and this journey? Yeah, I mean, for women, you know, it's like undeniable that there is a biological clock that's ticking and 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 men don't have the same perceived time limit that women think they do so maybe they have a bit more freedom in 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 that space whereas because you know there's a time limit to when we can have babies it ends up not just being about when we can have the babies but also then when are we going to find the partner when are we going to like okay you're thinking about the family and the man then I also need to think about like the job and then I also need to think about the money and all of a sudden all of these different parts of our life the relationship the money the career the where we're living we feel like we have to have all of them in place by this set timeline and so I think so much of it is linked to that that clock that we feel that we have so first of all it's like almost like an acknowledgement that like it's understandable that so many women feel that way and like it's okay but also to know that that pressure that you're putting on yourself to have these things in place by a set time is most likely going to stop you from getting the things that you want right it's like whenever there's deep pressure to have anything that uh, that deep pressure often ends up being the block to you getting them almost like going back to what we said before right about the self-love and where once you release the attachment those things come and I feel like this is similar it's it's exactly going back to the point that we were talking before about energy so if you go out with an energy of like I need a partner now because my biological clock is running you know and I need and then you come at it just like you were saying with a really different energy and that energy can like repel (laughs) it repels the manifestation right and it sends it away whereas if you do the work and you release the attachment and you're like okay I want those things I desire those things but if I don't have them my life won't won't end and then all of a sudden you can then build up from that and then you'll get those things because it's coming from a place of love not a place of fear yeah exactly how do you see the power of coaching in connection with 
self-love obviously for you it, it is the connection that's what you do for your job but for somebody who's never been coached before maybe any mm-hmm. listeners who are thinking of getting coached and wanting to go on this journey mm-hmm. how do you think it can help yeah in so many different ways I think all come together in this really beautiful like concoction let's say um first of all like you can't see what you can't see <laughs> and for, for for so many people that have been in a repeating pattern over and over again it's quite hard to to release that when you can't see everything that's there and beautiful job about having a coach is like they're there to help you to see your your blind spots and then as well as helping you to see that there is, and although this seems so simple, there is something undeniably effective about having radical accountability, you know, (laughs) (laughs) because you can like be reading books and like be, be diving into free content for years and years and years without really doing anything. But when you have accountability, there is this like action piece that comes in and that is where like the biggest shift happens when you decide to take action and also when you invest in taking action you know so it's like yes you can you can like probably live your whole life consuming free self-development content (laughs) and learn a lot but actually implementing and taking action like something magical happens when you invest your money but also your time and also your energy into a transformation and that occurs like when when you when you invest in a coach so yeah i think it's a beautiful mix of having someone to see your your blind spots having accountability investing time and money in a way that you maybe haven't before because that's again coming back to energy i feel like we've talked about that a lot something energetically shifts when you say to the universe hey i'm taking this thing seriously now I'm not just going to take free trainings for the rest of my life. I'm going to invest my time and my money in this thing. I am important. I am worthy of paying for this, actually. And something like so much, and you've probably had this as well, like clients invest in you and the shift starts to happen before they've even had session one (laughs) because their energy has shifted. They've said yes to this transformation. And then maybe just to add one more thing, There's something really beautiful, like the coach, like a client relationship, something really beautiful about having someone to like hold you and love you through it all. You know, someone that's not judgmental, you know, they're not, they're not a friend. They're not someone that, that knows you personally. They're not biased. They're not going to pull you up on, on your bullshit, right? They're going to let you know when maybe you're falling back into your patterns but they're not going to do it in a non-judgmental way they're going to love you through it and they're going to hold you and there is something so beautiful about having that presence in your life throughout a journey so I just yeah I think I really everyone on the planet would benefit from having a coach (laughs) obviously I think so too not that we're biased at all but such a beautiful description I think what you just said at the end about that holding space like a loving non-judgmental space which is so important I know it's you know repeating what you said but I actually think it's one of the biggest acts of self-love to invest in yourself whether it's Mm. a a coach or just any sort of course or anything even just that is just a really a big act and like you said a message to the universe to say okay look here I am over here loving myself yeah a hundred percent 
Yeah. So I know you've already given some amazing pieces of practical advice. We are going to wrap up in a moment. And I just wondered if there's any other practical tips or anything that we've not touched upon today for somebody who's looking to uh, work on their self-love and improve their self-worth. I think almost like a reminder of every every minute of the day and every choice you make is an opportunity to love yourself and like remembering that you know every time you get asked to do something or you get asked to like get invited to something like how you respond and how you show up like that's an opportunity to love yourself and to speak your truth in every little moment there's an opportunity for you to show up for you first and so know that this work is not like something floaty it's not out there it's not just about having like bubble baths and massages and taking care of yourself although that's great self-worth and self-love there are opportunities for you to practice that in each and every moment even the moments when you're not feeling so so great like that's a moment also to offer yourself love and compassion so yeah I think just remembering that it's it's there always such a nice piece of advice to end on. Thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. I've really loved this conversation. And if you could just let the listeners know where they can find out more about you and more about your, your coaching programs, that would be great. Yeah, so come find me on my Instagram. It's sabby.ker or my website, which is sabbycare.com. I've got a free worthiness bundle on there. And so you'll also be added to my mailing list. And then in terms of how you can work with me, I've got, I do one-to-one coaching. So just drop me a message if you're interested in that. And I also have a program that will be coming out in January. It's called Release Your Radiance. The same name as my podcast name. Actually, the podcast name came from my program, which has been out way before it. And that's an eight-week really an eight week self-love journey. So all of the things that we've talked about today, that program goes into on a, like a, on a really deep, expansive level. So yeah, if you're interested in that program, release your radiance and just drop me a DM as well. And I can share some more info. Amazing. Thank you again. So, so much, Sabi. It's been so great having you and I'll see everyone on the podcast next week. Thank you so much.